talk about what my topic is, is that trust that God's hand is in your, on your life, even during the interruptions and the delays that we face. And uh, I want to, uh, you know, talk from a few passages in the scripture. And um, like I said, you know, a few of the, sometimes when you read your Bible, don't you ever, don't you ever think that when you read your Bible, you, you go off on like rabbit trails and stuff like that. And, but anyways, but anyways, I'm going to go off some of the rabbit trails, but I'll come back to what I want to preach about. And, uh, but I just want to pick things apart. And um, during the middle of my message, I want to uh, show you a video clip that I just want to put a visual in your, in your, in your mind, in your heart. So anyways, we're going to start off in Isaiah chapter 49. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 49. Verse 13, it says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child? And she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have engraven you in the palm of my hands, and thy walls are continually before me, and thy children shall make haste, and thy destroyers, they that made thee waste, shall go forth of thee. So three points I want to uh, give you on just this passage of Scripture that the Lord showed me is um, turn to Psalms chapter 100. Psalms 100. I'm going to be going here and there and everywhere. But we're going to learn something tonight. Psalms chapter 100. In verse 1, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And know that the Lord, know ye that the Lord, he is God, and it is he that made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. He said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So the number one point I want to point out is that his mercies are everlasting and he is not far and he is not distant from you. The number two, Proverbs chapter three, verse one to four says, my son, forget not my law. But let thy heart keep thy commandments, for length of days and long life and peace shall be added to thee. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them around your neck and write them upon your table of your heart. So you shall find favor and good understanding with what? In the sight of God and the sight of man. So number two, keep his word ever in the forefront of our eyes and our thoughts and our hearts. Right? And number three, <clears throat> number three it, it, it goes home with me. Um, I remember one time I was with my dad and he picked me up and uh, I seen fear on his face and something happened to him that he was, his life was threatened. And I was probably, probably, I don't know, three or four months old in the Lord. And uh, you know, whatever goes in you is going to come out of you. And what came out of me was, you know, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I'll trust. And surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. And 
you know, that, that's Psalm 91. That came out of me. You know, even though I was a couple months old, that's what came out of me. That's the first thing that I responded to fear with was, was, was Psalms 91. And the point number three is that his hedge of protection is always around you. Always around you. So verse 23 of uh, Isaiah 49, the last, point, the last part, it says, And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait on thee. What are you doing or what are you saying when you're waiting on the Lord? That's very important. Even though that happened to me, you know, that's the first thing that came out of me. The Word of God should always be first place in your life and it should always come unto you. Like the Bible, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, I want to stay in the Gospels. And this is what he, when I was, when I was praying, what, what I was when I was preparing, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to speak about? And all he said was, he said, Luke chapter 8. And I said, okay, so this is, this is where we're going. So anyways, I want to pick things apart here. And I want to start in, start in, uh, in uh, verse 40 of Luke chapter 8. And it said, and it came to pass. That's my favorite phrase in the Bible. My favorite phrase in the Bible is, and it came to pass. It says, and when Jesus returned... Where did he return from? Where did he go and where did he return from? Verse uh, 26, and says, um, And they arrived in the country of Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And this is all Luke chapter 8. So this is where he came from. And where did he go? He went to the Gadarenes. In verse 37, and he returned from there. It says in verse 37, he says, And the whole multitude of the country of Gadarenes and around about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and they went up in the ship, and they returned back again. Notice, Jesus didn't have to explain himself. He didn't have to explain himself to them. He just, he was refused there. So all he did was get with the boys and got back on the boat, back on the ship, and just left. So he returned. It says in verse 30, he says, and the people gladly received him. So he went back from the Gadarenes back to Galilee. It says, and the people gladly received him, for they're all waiting for him. They were all waiting for him. Notice I want to pick things apart. I was like, well, how many people were waiting for him? You know, you, it's, none of this is recorded, but you, you get digging and then you find out. The uh, Jewish historian Josephus, he said in, in the, um, the regions of Galilee, there was 204 villages. And usually each village at that time had 15,000 people per village. So if you do the math, that's just over 3 million people. But, you know, how many people got what they were believing for? You know, when, when Jesus got off the boat in Galilee, how many people were waiting for him? Well, 3 million people? I, I can't picture 3 million people. But, you know, how many people got what they were believing for? I'm pretty sure a lot of people you know, got healed and, and, and gave their hearts to, to him and started following him. But in, in, in this record, in Luke chapter 8, it only gives a record of two people that got something from him. And that was the woman with the issue of blood and J.R. Iris' daughter. And uh, verse 41, it says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogues, and he fell down, at Jesus' feet 
and besought him that he would come to his house. Three points I want to uh, give to you about that scripture. Number one is uh, the moment Jairus uh, humbled himself and fell at the feet of Jesus is the moment the seed of, of the word of God became rooted in him. And it, and it fell on good ground. How do I know it fell on good ground? Because we're going to read later that he got a hundredfold harvest on, on what happened. Number two is, uh, is Jairus asked and he besought him. He besought Jesus to come to his house and Jesus was coming to his house. And when I think of that, when I think of asking, I think of uh, John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. And Jesus said, um, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it so that the father may be glorified in the son. And whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. That's a promise. So, and number three is, uh, you know, when we, when we ask Jesus, how do we ask him? How do we ask? And in, in James chapter one, if you can turn to James chapter one, how are we to ask? Just after Hebrews. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you be complete and entire, lacking nothing or wanting nothing. He says, and if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to men all liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given to him. I remember when Ashton was speaking one time, and she said, uh, you get to see a different side of me. And I wrote that down in my Bible. And I think at the time, I, I wrote down, we, when, we always, when we walk by faith, we'll always see a different side of God. We'll always see a different side. And he said, in verse 6, he said, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. He says, For let no man think that he shall receive anything in the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Three points I want to give to that is number one, if being unstable in all your ways and being double-minded, what if we were single-minded and full of faith? What if we are singly minded and full of faith? What if we really believe 2 Corinthians 5, 7? That we're to walk by faith and not by sight. What would really happen in our lives if we were really just to actually believe that and do that? Selah. Number two, a single-minded man is continually renewing the mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, like Pastor Gary was saying for this new year, Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by renewing your mind, that you, that I, may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. And number three is uh, be the one who consults the word of God first. I'll say that again. Be the one who consults the Word of God first. Matthew 6.33. It's the whole key to the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, we go back to verse 6. Well, first of all, God always has His hand on your life when you're walking by faith. 
So, you know, even with Peter, when he was walking on the water, he grabbed him by the hand, you know what I mean? Because he, he, he was sinking, but God always has his hand on your life. So he's not always, he's, he doesn't have it in your, he's not carrying your hand. He's not, his hand is not in your hand all the time, but his hand is on you when you're walking by faith and when you're trusting him. But, you know, verse six, he said, let him ask in faith. Where did James, where did James learn that? You know, how did James get that revelation? You know, back to Luke chapter 8, the Lord showed me this. In Luke chapter 8, verse 24. It said, and they came, and, and they came to him. Well, who, who came to him? His disciples. Who were his disciples? Peter, James, and John. And they awoke him. <laughs> and they awoke him. You know, it says right here, and they, they, they woke him up, but no one fessed up who it was. No one fessed up who it was, but I'm pretty sure someone lacked wisdom that day that they woke Jesus up after he was taking a nap. Someone lacked wisdom. It says, and they woke him up and said, Master, Master, we're going to perish. But then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the, and the ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, do you know what? Jesus got angry. Jesus did get angry. You know what he said? Where's your faith? He said, where's your faith? Right? I remember as a young boy, um, we used to come home from school, and uh, <clears throat> I remember we were just rambunctious, me and my brother, and I remember my dad used to get home earlier from work, and he used to sleep on the couch. And I always remember my mom, and mom saying, your, your dad's sleeping on the coach. Don't wake your father. Your dad's sleeping on the coach. Don't wake your father. You know what? I, a few times I woke him up and it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. Well, you know, it, it made me afraid. That's all I can say. But look, even when the disciples woke up Jesus, what happened? What, what's the next word? And they were afraid, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commands even the winds and the water to obey him. Where am I at here? You know, if we had it all together, we wouldn't need the Lord. But, you know, I just want to recommend this one thing. Ask God for wisdom before you wake somebody up from a nap. Yeah. <laughs> somebody you know so verse 42 verse 42 of Luke chapter 8 it says if he had only one daughter this is J.R. Um, it says for he had only one daughter and she was about 12 years of age and she lay dying but he went and the people thronged him so notice like I said I want to pick things apart the word thronged it literally means to overflow it means mobbed, it means wall to wall, it means standing room only. You know, I can't imagine uh, three million people thronging Jesus at the shore of Galilee, but I can, I can, I can picture this, picture this. The year is 1987. You're at the Pontiac Silverdome in Detroit, Michigan, with 93,000 plus fans all thronging the ring where Hulk Hogan just body slammed a 550-pound giant. You know what? I think that's what Jesus did to the devil. You know, it's symbolic. Jesus, what? Jesus had 12 disciples. J.R.S.'s daughter was 12. 
The woman with the issue of blood suffered, what, 12 years? There were, what, 12 matches at WrestleMania 3? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus died when he was 33, right? Hulk Hogan won that match when he was 33 years old. See, the only other man that I know that's 33 years old and has that strength is my buddy Frank. That's the only other man that I know that's, that has that kind of strength. And this is, this is what I heard. This, I, you know, this is just hearsay. But this is what I heard. That when Frank was, was building this house, he had a thousand pound steel I-beam that he picked up, put it on his shoulder, walked up the ladder, and put it on his roof. Can you imagine that? What kind of strength is that? <laughs> Verse 43. <laughs> Let's just talk about the woman with the issue of blood. He says, And the woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which spent all her living upon the physicians, neither could be healed of any. He says, And came behind him and, and, uh, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the issue of blood stanched, or it stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? You know, I don't think Jesus said, boys, who touched me? I think he yelled. You know, if you have that many people thronging you, you're going to yell, right? Jesus, who touched me? That's what I'm thinking he said. He says, and when all denied, verse 45, he says, when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, master, the multitude throngs you and presses you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody has touched me for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, how can you hide yourself in a crowd? The only way you can hide yourself in a crowd is if you're below the people. Nobody's seen her because she was below the people. And if you're thinking you're in a crowd like that and everything's pressing, you're, you're not going to see that woman, the issue of blood. She's down here. You know, it says it she touched the hem of his garment. It was like his prayer shawl. There's little, little beads and stuff like that. And he, she, she touched the prayer, prayer shawl. And what, what happened was what she got, what she was believing for. She got healed. So verse 47, it says, And the woman saw that she was not hid, and she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause that she had touched him and how that she was healed immediately. And that she said, un and he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith has made thee whole. He said, Go in peace. It says, Notice in one, verse 49. He says, And while he yet spoke, there comes one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying, Thy daughter is dead. Don't disturb the master anymore. What happened? There was an interruption. And the word interruption, all it means is delay, hinder, prevent. Stop, lay aside. It means to stop a person in the middle of saying or doing something. It means a break in continuity. And the only breakdown in our lives is between our head and our heart, and that's our mouth and what we say over our lives. It's very important what we say over our lives and what we say over people's lives. We either, what, speak a blessing or we speak a curse. You know, you can't have fresh water and salt water come out of your mouth Choose to have fresh water. Choose to speak a blessing over people. Speak grace over them. Speak good things over them. In verse 50, it says, uh, it says, When Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Notice here, she had two, he, he gave two commandments and one promise. If, you're, if you have sickness in your body, I encourage you, find a commandment. 
and then find a promise. Like, like, like what Jesus said here. He said, he said to, he said to the Jairus' servant, he said, he said, what? Fear not, believe only. So that's what? Two commands. And he said to a promise, he said, she shall, she'll be whole, right? So if you're going through something, find a commandment and find a bunch of promises and, and stand on that, right? Verse 51, and it says, And when they came into the house, he suffered no man to save Peter, James, and John. There's the disciples again. He said, And the father and the mother of the maiden. Check this out in verse 52 and 53. It says, And when they all wept and bewailed her, and he said, Weep not, she's not dead, but she only sleeps. And look what happens in 53. And they laughed at him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Knowing that she was dead. How can you go from, uh, from, from crying to laughing that fast? Doubt. Doubt. And doubt is the only way you go from crying to laughing. And I wrote this down in my Bible. It said, doubt is the interruption of seeing what you've been believing and saying. Write that. Say that again. Doubt is the interruption of seeing what you've been believing and saying. Verse 54. It says, and when he put them all out, you know what? He put them all out. Put doubt out of your life. Yeah. Put doubt out of your life. It said, when he put them all out, he took her by the hand and called and saying, Maid, arise. And when her spirit came again, she arose straight away, and he commanded, to get, he commanded them to give her some meat or some food. And her parents, meat, yes, Yes. <laughs> it says, and her parents were astonished and they charged them that they should, they should uh, tell no man what was done. Every situation is new and requires a state of trust. It takes the pressure off of you relying on your own base of knowledge. I'll say that again. Every situation is new and requires a state of trust. It takes the pressure off of you relying on your own base of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to end with this. Proverbs chapter 3. And this is what he said to me at the beginning of the year. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. There's three points I want to point out to hear what, I, what, I, what, what the Lord showed me about this, these scriptures. Number one is uh, thinking of something beforehand provokes consideration. Don't think like you used to the first time. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Pastor said it. Renew your mind with the word of God. That you can prove what's good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Number two, is God's understanding or his enlightenment or illumination causes the mind to go beyond the natural and into the supernatural. You no longer walk or talk like you used to, but in assurance knowing that God is with you in every step of obedience. And obedience breaks down the path or beats down the path and gives you a clear picture of where you need to go. And like I was telling Cyril tonight, all you got to do is, or I was telling, uh, yeah, I was telling Cyril, be, just be obedient. Whatever you need to, whatever you, God's told you to do, just be obedient. Number three, it says the amount of trust you put on the Word of God and reverence you place in it gives you knowledge of what the Lord says is right. And what's right is to trust that God's hand is on your life, and no matter how many interruptions. No matter how many delays come your way, 
He's got you in the palm of his hand. And all he requires you to do is just what? Believe him and trust him, right? Romans 8.28 It says, for all things work together for our good because we what? Love God and we're called according to his purpose. So I just want to encourage you this year. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that Pastor asked me the first, the first uh, service of the year. That's an honor. Um, just, just trust God. Just make it a point to trust him with everything that's in you. And don't lean to your own base of knowledge, your own understanding, but in all your ways, I mean all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. The Lord bless you. Thank you. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.